You may be seated. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't that big of a welcome. Okay, uh, guys, I don't know if you know me. Some of you may. Does anybody remember the last time I was here? Okay, all right. Praise God. Lots happened since then, huh? Kind of had a COVID and uh, pad- pandemic and, and all that stuff. But I tell you what, he's excited. I'm excited. I had another, uh, I'm, a pa- I'm pastoring. I don't know if I was pastoring when I was here last. And I've been pastoring about six years, but in Collinsville and, and Collinsville, Oklahoma, it's north of Tulsa. But um, 20 years before that, just to give you a quick review, I was a traveling minister all over the world. God was amazing. He said, go and preach and teach champions for Christ. And before that, I was a coach, baseball coach. And I coached uh, high school, college, professional. So I was with the Arkansas Razorbacks and uh, Houston Astros. So, but that's just a little review. So I'm still coaching. Are you all right? Are you okay with that? Has anybody in here been coached? You know, we all need coaching. The right kind of coaching. You may have had the wrong type of coach. But the right kind of coach will, will push you. He'll stretch you, but he does it because he loves you. The Holy Spirit is a coach. He's our coach. God and Jesus knew that we needed the Holy Spirit to coach us. So you're about to be coached today, and I'm going to tell you something, guys. I think it's going to be one of the most important messages you'll hear in your life. Is it because it's from me? No. But I... This had happened to us, my wife Candy, I'm Chip and she's Candy. We're kind of like God's concession stand. You know what I'm talking about? Our our daughter Cookie lives in Denver. My son Nacho, he is the... uh... Now, it it is Candy and Chip, but it's not Cookie and Nacho. Okay. But we should have done that. That would have been kind of cool. They wouldn't have liked it, but... But anyway, uh, God gave us this, and, and, and I, I believe it's for such a time as this, and I believe that we're going to leave here different. And then that what you want? And why not today? Why not today be the day where everything turns around? And so I remember being in locker rooms like this, this size, and making commitments like that. And it changed the whole season. And looking back at it going, man, that was a defining moment. Do you know what a defining moment? You guys have had defining moments in your life. And you'll never forget them. And things change. That's what I believe. If you're willing to receive, you will have today a defining moment. Are you ready? I was born ready. (laughs) Praise God. Well, in coaching, here's how this came about. In coaching teams, and I've seen on every level, in order to have the champion team, the best team, there had to be a commitment made by the team. Not by some of them, by all of them. And if that commitment was not made, we could have the greatest, we could recruit and and scout and have the greatest Athletes on that team, 
But if this commitment wasn't made, we wouldn't win at all. Are y'all understanding what I'm talking about? And this happens a lot, maybe with your favorite professional teams. You're going, man, we got all the right places, uh, all the right pieces in place, but, but we're not winning at all. Why? Because the commitment's got to be made and it, and it, and it, it's a, it's, it's a term that consists of two words and those words are all in. Have you ever heard that phrase? Everybody say all in. When they, now listen, this is what's wrong with a lot of churches. This is what's wrong with the body of Christ. This is why we're not seeing what we should be seeing because we're not all in. This can be that way with our government. It can be way with whatever it can be, but you got to be all in to reach the top period. Now I'm going to get a little coachy and my voice is going to get higher. That's that coach coming out of me. But if you don't like that, take it up with God. He's the one who called me. I liked coaching. It was fun. And uh, I, I love preaching, but, but that commitment of all in. So the question is, are we all in? Good answer. I, see, that answer, thank you. What's his name? Huh? He is listening. There's nothing wrong with saying something if you agree to it. There's nothing wrong with responses when somebody's preaching. It's a good thing. It helps actually, doesn't it? Anybody who's ever preached, it helps to pull what, because we know you're listening. And, and you know what? It's a good thing when you speak, your mind has to stop and hear what your mouth has to say. So it keeps you focused. Amen. Now, glory to God. All in is the question. I've had teams that made that commitment. I was on a plane in New York, or we were going to New York. This is just during the ministry. And the guy in front of me is reading the USA Today, and he, he's holding it up to almost where he wants me to read it. And I'm like, and it, was, it had to be an angel or something pushing the paper. Because I don't know this guy. He's reading the USA Today sports section. And I begin to read it. And I see that it says the top 10 high school baseball programs in the nation ever since it started with the most wins and championships. And the team that I coached was on that list. And I just started thinking, wow. And I remember that day. I remember that day where we made that commitment for that to happen. Now I'm on a plane years later reading about a dynasty that I was flown to L.A. to talk to two producers about doing this movie. And whether they do the movie or not, I don't really care as long as The Rock plagues me or um, <laughs> they had mentioned something about Danny DeVito. But I said, no, that's where I draw the line. <laughs> no, I'm joking about that. But they are. The script is in Hollywood because you know how they like feel good movies, you know. And this was a comeback movie, or it's supposed to be. But it's a true life story. And we hold this legacy, this dynasty of 30-something state championships now. And uh, one of the greatest in the nation. And Lamar knows all about that in football. I'm very close to it. And, uh, but I remembered when it happened. And we weren't always that way. 
But something changed it. Maybe you're not that way in your life with God. But there was a day, there was a moment, there was a commitment where it changed. And it changed with those two words. And now I'm reading about it years later and a movie is in the making and the whole bit. And I thought, my God, what a commitment we made that day. And everything changed. Well, why not you today? Why not you today? Why not this church today? Why not as a, as a group today? And so what happened was when I took that job, that particular high school job, I remember Candy and I prayed about it and we didn't really know, but God knew. The facilities were terrible. They never won. And now they're the winningest ones in the nation. And I, I saw, I drove by the facilities. I had a, in the interview. And I'm driving out. And the principal somehow sees my car, gets in front of it, and stops me. And I said, oh, brother. So I take the interview, and I don't know why, but I said, I'll take the job. And I'm like, no. I'm wanting to put the... Take the job. And the superintendent says, well, it's going to be good luck, because you're going to have to rebuild. You know, you're going to have to... It's going to be... I said, man, I don't believe in that. I'll win right off the bat. <laughs> and he goes, well, I, I seriously doubt that. Because I said, why do you say that? And he said, well, baseball takes nine players to play. Eight of the starters last year were seniors. They're graduated. And the ninth one, he moved. He saw the writing on the wall. You have zero experience. You have nobody who's ever started or played coming back. You have the little brothers and when he said little, I didn't know he meant literally little. We were all, I nicknamed them the Smurfs. One time I was driving the bus, I thought I forgot them all. Until we hit a bump and I saw the, you know, you know the bus driver. That's, I, I kept telling the producers to put this in the movie. They said, let us write the movie. <laughs> the Rock. Coaching the Smurfs. <laughs> Impressive or intimidating getting off the bus. You know what I'm talking about. But I, I knew that if I got nine all-in kids that would go all-in. And for three weeks, we didn't touch a glove, ball, or bat. We just ran. And I would just run them off. I, I kind of told God, can I do that as a pastor? <laughs> no. What am I talking about? I was running off the weak ones. Come on. Some of you guys in sports know what I'm talking about. I did not, not love them. I was running off the ones who were going to quit me at some time. Because if they were going to quit me now, they're going to quit me sometime. And I'm going to need them when it counts the most. And I got down to 11. Now, do the math. When I have nine out on the field, how many are in the dugout with me? Okay, good. Y'all can do math. Or, or it was an open book test. I even gave you the answer. And the two that were in my dugout were smurfier than the ones out there. I worked them. We worked hard. We get to the state playoffs. This is the beginning of a dynasty, I'm telling you. We win our first game. We play the second game. We're playing a team that was like Lamar, right, in football. We were playing a team that had won three or four in a row. And they had, their dugout was filled with XLs and larges and 
all kinds of good-looking players. And here we were, real smurfy, and they're going for their fourth in a row. Hadn't lost in four years. Semifinals. The winner goes to the finals. It's played at a college stadium. It's packed out, 8,000 people. Here's the little brothers that nobody believed in, and there we were. My shortstop made a, in the late, well, at the beginning of the game, they go ahead of us. We come back. We go ahead of them. And they got embarrassed, and their coach calls timeout and says, would you look at them? Look who's beating you. And we just said, I said, smile and wave, boys, smile and wave. <laughs> and it came down to a final play. Tried not, you know, I could get real detailed, but. We had lost on a play at the plate. And I was mad. And my players were mad. I wasn't mad at them. I was mad at the outcome. You know what? You should get mad at the, at, at the outcome. God, Jesus said, I have given you life and I have given it for you to, to live abundant life. You should not be happy unless that's happening. Get mad at the devil. But something's got to change. And it's this way in everything and it always will be. Even in your life today. And so I go into that locker room and I'm and and I and I and I make this speech and they put this speech on a plaque in the hallway of that school. And I can't remember it. My players can do it better than I can. But I was I said there's got to be more. There's got to be something. This is not good enough. I said just going to the state tournament I said, outside that door, your mamas and your grandmas and your aunts and your sisters will be waiting on you and they're going to love on you and they're going to care for you and have compassion for you. And I said, let them do it because that's how God created them to do that way. But your daddies are mad and so am I. (laughs) You let your mamas and grandmas, that's what they do. That's what God has them to do that. But I said, this ain't good enough. They're going to have... Our parade, they're going to win our ring. They're going to get the better looking girlfriends. That's part of what champions get. And by the looks of you guys, you need help in that area. I'm not talking about them, I'm talking about y'all. No, I'm joking. And my little shortstop raised his hand. And when I say shortstop, literally... Short. And his name was Josh. And he said, uh, I know what we can do. We can practice harder. And I said, Josh, we practice hard. He said, look. He said, nobody believed we could get to this place. We're the little brothers. Nobody had any experience. The press didn't believe in us. Our brothers didn't believe in us. Half our parents didn't believe in us. And here we are. We were one play away from beating the best team in the state. We're that close. And I believe in him and I believe in this. And I don't know about the rest of you, but he goes, I'm all in. That's when I told the producers, you can start playing. They said, let us produce it. But that was the all in moment. And they all came together. And we said, we're all in, no matter what it takes, we're all in. No more selfishness, no more our way. We're doing it team's way. 
And I'm telling you, they went all in. And the next year, you didn't want to play us. And the next year, we go to state and we run rule the first team. We run rule the second team. We're in the finals. And guess who we're playing? That same team that hadn't been beat now in four or five years. And uh, we, we get a hold of them. And I mean, we beat them so bad, they, can't, they quit. And there was no run rule in the state finals. We're beating them so bad, they came over and said, we, we quit. It was 20-something to nothing in the third inning. Who? The Smurfs. The ones that nobody said could do it. Not only did we win that state championship, but if you walk down the halls of that school right now, you'll pass 32 state championships. And you'll get to a picture of the Smurfs, and it's right next to a plaque, and it has all in on it. And it was that day that I'm on the plane going to New York, reading the USA Today, about a moment that all goes back to a time of a commitment where these boys in that room made that commitment. And that's when everything changed. I've seen it happen. I've seen it on every level. I've seen even greater teams not fulfill their destiny. I've seen greater people not fulfill their destiny because they never made that commitment. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to Boston this year, my wife and I. We're going to go preach up there. Right before I go, my mom gives me this book. And I'm reading this book on the plane. And it's about what happened near Boston during the revolutionary days. And I'm reading it and I'm going, oh my goodness. And here's what I started, here's what I began to read. Let me get my notes out here for you. I could tell you, but I just want to be specific here. It was a book called Indispensables. Highly, highly suggest you get this book. And it was about a group of soldier mariners who shaped the country, who formed the first Navy. They formed the first Secret Service. They performed in the Boston Tea Party. But the main thing they did was they rode Washington across the Delaware. All right, do you all remember that, that story? They were called, listen to this, they were called Marbleheaders. So I'm reading this book, Marbleheaders? That's even worse than Smurfs. And I find out that their fi- the average Marbleheader was five foot five. So they were Smurfy. Then what I find out is George Washington recruited them and he had Smurfs. So I'm like, George Washington had Smurfs. And so the Marbleheaders were called Marbleheaders because they were from Marblehead, Massachusetts. Now, if this, this is not taught in the history books, but I, I challenge you to go look this up. You'll find it. The Marbleheaders were from Marblehead, Massachusetts, 15 miles from Boston, which I thought, being from Oklahoma, was 15 minutes. But when I landed in Boston, it was an hour and a half later to get 15 miles. But anyway, this is a quote from George Washington. The Marbleheaders were the toughest, bravest, most courageous men in the world, hands down. Why were they so tough? Why were they so brave? Why were they so courageous? Because they, Marblehead, Massachusetts became the number one fishing industry in the world because of the cod that they would fish. And they would trade it with everybody in the world. Spain, England, everybody wanted Marblehead. So when they traded, they 
They traded uh, gunpowder. Uh, they traded. They were building up. Marblehead was bigger than Boston. And that's where taxation without representation came along because they got so big and powerful, Marblehead did, that the British wanted to control them and said, let's tax their fishing. And they came back and said, no, taxation without representation won't happen. So they were fighting the British before there was even a revolution. Are y'all with me or not? Before there was a revolutionary war and you even have freedom to go to church on a day like today, the Marbleheaders were fighting for that against them. And yet, why were they the toughest, bravest, most courageous men? Because you couldn't get this cod that they were trading just anywhere. They had to travel up the Grand North Bank and the waters were so treacherous and dangerous, listen to me, that they lost a hundred fishermen a year. So when, if you were a marble header, you had to be all in. Are y'all with me? Even to the point of death, you may, we may die this year, but they were not afraid. They were men all in who would go up to those waters that nobody in the world would dare go, but they did. And they would do this and they learned about teamwork. They learned, they didn't complain. And Samuel Adams come, hears about them, comes back to George Washington. Washington hears about them and he says, I need them, listen, to row me over the Delaware in the middle of the night in freezing temperatures. Do you see why he wants them? Because they're not afraid. They won't complain. They won't quit him. Are y'all getting this or not? I need your heads to do something. I don't know if I, I don't know. You got to, you got to help me, help me help you. That's a movie quote, by the way. Okay. So are y'all getting this? Let's try it. All right. So Washington says, I got to have them and only them because they won't quit me. And in the middle of the night and freezing temperatures crossed the Delaware. And not only did they cross the Delaware, once they did and got him over, they went ahead and took the Trenton Bridge and didn't have orders to do it. Don't you need it? Yeah, but we don't have, let's go get it. Everybody say all in. These men were all in. And so Candy and I said, we have to go. We have to go there. We're on a plane to Boston. We have to go there. We're going to Marblehead, Massachusetts. We felt this urgent mission from God. And we're going to go there. And we find out on Google, it's 15 miles. (laughs) That's 15 minutes. Then it's an hour and a half later. But that's okay. We get there. And everything is still there. Their houses are there. John Glover, the captain, his house was there. It was awesome. We're led by the Holy Spirit up to the graveyard. Oldest graveyard in New England. Beautiful, right on the coast. And the Marbleheader monuments were there. They gave their lives. Not afraid to give their lives. Are y'all hearing me? Somebody, can you put up Revelations for me, that one uh, verse that I gave you? Okay, thank you. I, th- I don't know if it's eleven twelve or twelve eleven. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now, read the next rest of it. I wonder how many of uh, Christians are like that right now. I wonder how many men and women are that way 
to God and his kingdom right now. Don't love their lives. Come on now. You know how many people are afraid to die? They weren't afraid to die. When you're not afraid to die, you're free to live. When you're not afraid of death, my God, you're now all in. You're totally all in. David's mighty men were all in. They would risk their, their, their lives to get him a drink of water. It didn't matter. They were all in. Men of the Bible were all in. What about the church today? We're going to church. We show up at a place that has rules. What is the church supposed to be? All in. What can God do with all in Christians? Oh, my God. We pray for revival. We pray for awakening. But what can God do with all in people? Oh, George Washington needed all in men. God provided them for him. What about the church today? What about you? Were you just going through the motions? Are you brave enough to raise your hand and come to an altar and say, God, I'm all in? No more of you serving me, you serving my ways, but me serving you. Now, Lord, I'm not going to ask you to follow me. I'm, I'm going to start following you. That's good. The way it's supposed to be. And only then, it's that way, and it's always been that way, through wars, through sports, through business, that the cream goes to the top, is after that commitment of all in. And I've been preaching for 20 years, after coaching for 20 years, and that is what the church has been missing. That commitment. But when you make that commitment, nobody said it's going to be easy, but man... The adventure begins. The freedom begins. Is anybody, are y'all okay? I didn't get too harsh on you, did I? All right. Do y'all still want me to go? Three people and pastor. So we go there and we prayed. Candace and I prayed. We didn't know what we're praying. And we prayed. Here's what we heard on that hill. I want that spirit back in my church. Pray the spirit of all in back into the church. And we came back. And I'm telling you, there's the, God, how can I get this out to the world? Well, guess what? He had me on TV, on direct TV, dish TV, and it went to over 5 billion homes. 5 billion homes. And he stops the meeting that I had on this date and whatever was going on with him and says, get here. Get here. And guess who's here? You are. God's going to do something. Oh. Are y'all ready? I'm going to hit it to you now. Here you go. You ready? Here's what he gave me after I started praying for the all-in message. He said, Jesus didn't die to keep you safe. He died to make you dangerous. Somebody say all-in. Faithfulness is not holding down the fort. It's storming the gates of hell. Somebody say all-in. 
The will of God is not an insurance plan. It's a daring plan. All in. Going all in for God is not radical. It's normal. Here's the one I love. It's time to quit living as the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Go all in. It's time to go all in. And I'm not talking about enthroning yourselves. I'm talking about getting yourself out. Selfishness is not seeking God first. The Bible says seek God first. Selfishness is seeking God second or third or fourth. But that's not what God wants. Seek him first. Go all in. His ways. That's called self-centric, not Christ-centric. And what that is, what actually has happened to the church is it's called inverted gospel. And what has happened, because we are not all in and our self is still, you know, uh, priority, uh, it's inverted the gospel thinking. Listen to me, everybody right here. If you, if you just woke up, you woke up at a good time. <laughs> thinking that you have are following Jesus, but in reality, you have invited Jesus to follow you. That's what's happened. It was me for most of my life. I called him Savior, but never surrendered to him as Lord. For 35 years, this was me. And then he said to me, are you seeking me? And I was 15 minutes going to practice before practice in my office. Had the Bible open. I'm seeking. He said, are you seeking me? I said, God, I'm seeking you. I go to church. I started giving him a list. I'm good to my wife. I'm, I pay tithes. I do communion. I'm in the praise and worship band. I wasn't, but you could put that on your list. I teach Sunday school. Are y'all with me? I gave him this list. How many know that he didn't want the list? He knew that the list would follow. He wanted my heart. He wanted me all in. He want, That was my all in moment. That was my all in moment. Was it easy? No. Did I have I second guessed it? Yes. Have I doubted my? Oh, yeah. But I made that commitment and that was my all in moment. And I said, God. I don't know if you've been first. I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like, oh, he wanted me all in. He wants you all in. And so I made that commitment and I stuck to it. And I began to seek God. Seek God. Seek God. I made a time in my day where nobody else could have it. I don't know if you have that. I'm not trying to say, look at me and what you do. No, I'm just saying that's what I did. That's what champions do. And I said, you can't have that. And then my boss calls me five weeks after I'm seeking God. You would have thought I'd have heard the angelic heavenly choirs going, you're all in. Well done, my good, faithful servant. But it was like crickets. Did my flesh like it? No, my flesh hated it. My, my, my soul didn't like it. But you know, we're three parts, right? We're a spirit. This is what the Bible says. That has a soul, your mind. That lives in a body. This is my body. This is my house, the Bible calls it. You don't see me. None of y'all can see me. The real me is looking out through double windows of this house. We do all kinds of things to this house. We can add on. Paint the roofs. Paint it. 
you know? But this is just a house. If I were to go to heaven right now, you would see my body or house fall to the floor. But where would I be? In heaven. If you don't believe this is true, go to a funeral and look at the... And you knew that person and you knew their personality. You would say they're not there. Are y'all with me? Because they're not there. And so when I began to seek God and go all in, here's how my mama taught me. She said, you're a spirit, soul, and body. And which of the three you feed the most will dominate the other two. If you're, if you're feeding news more than the word, I'm not saying you don't love God and I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. But your spirit man will not dominate you. It's being dominated by your soul and your mind. If you're feeding your flesh, fleshly desires more than God and the word, then it'll dominate you. But he asked me to go all in, so I, I said, I'm going to start feeding my spirit more. <laughs> and my flesh and soul didn't like it. It's a cleansing, right? But then all of a sudden my, my uh, AD says, I need to talk to you. And I said, you can't take that time. He didn't know it, but it was the time I gave God. This is five weeks later. He said, well, I got we, we back and forth, back and forth. And then all of a sudden out of my mouth, I said this, then I will have to find another job. I resign. I'm like, my mind and flesh were going, what? <laughs> what? What happened? Why did I say it? Because my spirit man dominated my soul and my flesh and spoke out for me. Are y'all with me? I was becoming all in when your spirit man is strong. Be strong in the Lord. That's, that's your spirit man. The real you who God created in his image. None of y'all are losers. When you got born again that day, you were created a champion. Now your soul and, and your flesh will try to see other things and say you're not, but feed your inner man. The real you is a champion. Glory to God. And so that was my moment. And I'm telling you, the adventures afterwards have been following and there's nothing like it. It's living free. It's living free. No fear of going all in. That was the day I stopped asking Jesus to follow me. And I started following him. I got a question for you. Who's following who? Are you following Jesus? Or have you asked him to follow you? Does he love you? Yeah. He'll never stop. Did he die? Did he give his all for you? Did Jesus go all in for us? Has God gone all in for us? Have we gone all in for him? But what a commitment it is. Have you bought in but haven't sold out? Over 120 years ago, a British revivalist came to this village and he proclaimed a holy dare that a set of ears heard and it changed the whole world because it was an all-in moment. And here was the dare. Y'all want to hear that dare? I'll tell you who the ears were that heard it here in just a second. 
But the holy dare was this that was preached by a British revivalist. The world has yet to see what God will do with and for and through and in and by the man or woman who is fully wholly consecrated to him. The world has yet to see it. And a set of ears heard that. And it was his all-in moment. And that set of ears was D.L. Moody. This was his all-in moment. He took that there. And before it was all said and done with one man who decided to go all-in, his sermons have contributed to one of the greatest spiritual awakenings worldwide. And still today. It started with an all-in moment. It always has. Watch. It always will. Are you ready for yours? All in. Somebody say all in. I dare you. I double dog, triple dog dare you. The world is yet to see what God will do in and through and by and with a man or a woman who will go all in. Why not you? You're one decision away from the rest of your life changing. Why not you today? Why don't you leave here different than you came in today? Why not your locker room moment today? Why not your dynasty start today? Why not the revival and the awakening happen right smack dab here? Don't you think there's been prayers over this for years and years and years? I saw that sign out here. This church has been here since 1894. My God. Wow. That's great heritage. What about those prayers? You think God just has expiration dates on prayers? It'll be one of the toughest decisions you ever make. But man, will it be worth it. God wants to do amazing things for you. You know, one of the problems is we try to do amazing things for God. That sounds good. That sounds noble, but it's backwards. We're not to do great things because, listen, he's the one who does great things for us. God wants to do the amazing things. Don't you remember? He seek, his eyes are searching to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. He's the one who shows himself strong to those who have a loyal heart. He's looking for somebody all in and he'll do the amazing things through them. We're not to do the amazing things, right? He'll do them for us. So before I tell you what all in is, let me tell you what all in isn't. And we'll wrap this up. Are y'all glad you came today? Good, one up in the balcony. We have a Smurf up there. Before, all right, now don't, don't leave before I get done with this list. All in is not going to church once a week. All in is not doing your daily devotionals every day. All in is not keeping the Ten Commandments. All in is not sharing your faith with friends. Like I said, don't leave yet. All in is not tithing. All in is not volunteering in the nursery. The pastor's going, stop him. <laughs> we need the, I know, just stay with me. 
All in is not leading small connect groups. All in is not raising your hands in worship. All of these things are good. Are you all with me? And needed. But, But all in is more than a behavior modification. Stay with me. All in is more than a behavior modification. It's more than conformity to a moral code. And it's more than just doing good deeds. It's more than the list. Don't you remember? God said, are you seeking me? I gave him a list. I bet you would have probably given him a list. But that's not the answer to all in. Are y'all with me? If I'm a coach and I said, are you all in? And they go, here's all what I do. Are y'all with me? That's not the answer. Are y'all, y'all understand what I'm talking about? So I go to church, I do the Ten Commandments, I do this, I do this. All in is a consecration where you set yourself apart and you're in full devotion to him. You dethrone yourself and enthrone Christ. Every second, every energy, and every penny I have is yours. It's an ever-deepening love for Jesus. You deepen your love every day, no matter what your flesh thinks. It's a childlike trust in your heavenly Father. It's a blind obedience to the Holy Spirit. This is what we call going all in. And the greatest concern I have as a pastor at my church, and I've told him this, my greatest concern is that every week you come here, every week you come to church, Every week of your lives and you never go all in. That's a concern of mine as a leader and responsible for you. And you never go all in. You come to this place and you follow rules, but you never follow Christ. This place will not be a place where you follow rules, but you don't follow Christ. That is not going all in. The gospel has been cheapened. It has allowed people to buy in or, or not buy in or set without selling out. It has given the people the opportunity to get burned out or bored. We've made it too convenient, too comfortable. Not enough to feel the holy adrenaline of God rushing through them. Man, that's all in. A Danish philosopher and theologian believed this, that boredom was the root of all evil. Wrote a book about it and he said, man, boredom is wrong. He said, you cannot, listen to this, here's his, here's his fact. Because I hear people in the ministry get burned out. I hear Christians that are bored. It's just kind of ho-hum. Let's go to church. Good praise, hey, good word, pastor. See you next Sunday. What kind of, God, is this what it's about? And then they get bored with it. There's no excitement. There's no hope. Do y'all know that hope is an excitement? It's an expectation. Where's the, what are you excited about? When's the last time you've been excited? <laughs> My wife and I ask every day, what are you excited about? Woo! That's the way Christians should be. That's the way champions wake up every day and they go to practice. They're excited about the next championship. And they're bored and burned out. But I got, I got news for you. How in the world can, you cannot be in the presence of God and be bored at the same time. It's impossible. You cannot be in the will of God and be bored at the same time. 
So the choice is yours. If you're either going all in or you're going to be bored because one of the two are going to happen. It's going to happen to you. Now, praise the Lord. Cricket, cricket. (laughs) Why not today? I'm going to wrap it up. And I'm going to continue it tonight and tomorrow. God has built on it. I got a church in California that's, they, they got, they caught it on, it's in, San, it's in Sacramento. They, I preached this to them like I'm preaching to you today, shared it with them. They, it, they caught on fire. It's changing Northern California. And now I got to fly from here. I got to go straight to the airport there. They got said, we got to have you in here. Come on, coach, let's go. Let's keep this thing going. This thing's burning. It's awesome. Lives are being changed. Souls are being saved because they're seeing all-in people, Christians. They're not seeing bored Christians. They're not seeing hurt, broke Christians. They're seeing excited Christians who have made the commitment instead of following rules, following rules, following rules. And the whole time Jesus said to everybody he saw, follow me. Did he or did he not? He didn't go, here's a set of rules. I'm not trying to say don't follow the rules. We'll follow the rules when we follow him. Are y'all with me? We got our priorities out of whack. Religion has done this. The enemy has taken it. And it's divided us when we should all be one church. All in. Say all in. Come on, that's how you started right there. Why not today? Stay hungry. You want to know why people aren't hungry? Because they're full. It's true, isn't it? Hey, you want to get something to eat? No, I'm full. Well, what are you full of? Yourself. And they're no longer hungry for God. No, empty that out. And get hungry. Get thirsty. Amen? And leave a different person. Then you came in. Last thing, I'm going to end it with this. Luke 9, 23 and 24. This is Jesus having an all-in moment and finding out if his disciples are all in. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up their cross daily and what? Follow up rules? Two words. Guess what else is two words? All in. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Do you know the disciples took this literally? Do y'all, have y'all read the Bible? It's a good book. It'll really bless you. The disciples' ears heard this speech. Do you know how they died? Luke was hung by the neck. He heard this speech. He went all in to the death. Doubting Thomas was pierced with a spear and tortured with red hot plates. Burned alive. He listened to this speech. Philip was tortured and crucified and continued to preach while he was on the cross. I'll call that all in. Not poor me. What did I do? 
They're the ones who listened to Jesus in this pregame speech. Matthew was stabbed in the back. Bartholomew was flogged to death. James was thrown off the temple, then clubbed to death. Peter was crucified upside down at his request. John was the only one to die of natural causes after surviving his own execution of being burned alive, boiled alive. Again, they took it literally, but we can take it figuratively. Amen? If Jesus hung on his cross, we can certainly carry ours. Amen? And it's not just a responsibility, it's our highest privilege. Anything less is robbing God of what he deserves. It's also cheating ourselves out of the eternal awards that God has for us. We are God's marble headers. We are God's smurfs. It's time to ante up. Push all your chips in. What have you been holding on to that's kept you from giving everything to God? Everybody stand up. It's all or nothing. It's now or never. Why not, how, why not have your all-in moment right now? And there's something about a step of faith. You know, when I started preaching, I kind of felt bad for the people when I, and I wouldn't make them come to the altar or give them the opportunity to come to the altar. And then I started talking to some old timers and they said, Chip, you're cheating them because there's something about taking a step of faith when everything else is screaming at them, don't do it. And they can take that step of faith and show God they mean business. So if you want to make your commitment today, you're having your locker room moment, your defining moment today. You don't want to go another day the same. That's been me. Maybe something's stirring in you. Lord, that was me. I've loved you, but I've really actually have asked you to follow me and instead of me following you. I, Lord, I don't know if I'm seeking you. For, God, I want this. Something in you is crying out, I want this. Then I double dog dare you to come to the altar right now. I didn't say wait for your friend to go. I didn't say wait to see what they think or what they think. I said step out. Be the first one up here and come up and show God today's my day. Now, if you want to wait, that's your decision. If you want all those other things telling you not to do it, that's your decision. But the rest of us Smurfs are going. We're going. And you're going to watch us. You're not, we're not doing that to brag. You're going to watch God in us. And so I invite you down right now. Praise God. Let's have that all-in moment. I double-dog dare you. Everything is telling you. What, so, some people are, say, are thinking this. What will they think? What will they think? Well, see, that's the part. It's not what they think. It's what Jesus thinks. What will God think? I make this commitment. Lord, I I'm, I'm, I'm stepping up here with them. I want everybody to know I'm not ashamed. And the Lord knows it ain't about numbers. And You're not embarrassing me. If, if none of them came, I did what the Lord told me to do. And God knew you would be here today. This is not so much about repent. This is not so much. It is repenting. We're all repenting. But this is not so much about, you know, you've sinned or this or that. This is just a commitment.
I'm giving you a commitment. And I, I love that your pastor's one of the first ones up here. It should be that way. Most churches I go to, the pastor's first one up here. So, here we go. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just letting the Lord have his way, doing what he wants me to do with no pressure. But it's your opportunity to say, Lord, I'm all in. Yeah, just play something, guys, whatever you want to play. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just pray a prayer over these right now. In the name of Jesus, with the anointing that is here for this day, and you knew what would happen today. I'm asking from the oracles of heaven. I'm asking from God above with all the great cloud of witnesses who even started this church. You're watching. You who started this church and your prayers and you interceded for it. The revival and the awakening. We're the people here now. Lord, I thank you that a special anointing is on each of them. And they will not leave here the same. Oh, Lord, there will be a special fire and a passion that rises up in each of them. And the Holy Spirit will coach them. And they will, they will listen and follow. Oh, Lord, we thank you for that anointing on them. In Jesus' name. All because they took this step of faith. They didn't have to, but they did. And the Lord will reward that for sure. He loves all of us. There's no doubt about it. But the question is, who's following who? That's why the Lord sent me here to ask you, who's following who? Have you asked him to follow your ways, your time plan, your job, your schedule? Are we following him? We give you the glory and honor and thank you, Jesus. We thank you for what's happening right now. In your name, I plead the blood over every one of them that have made this commitment and out here today that it will not go void. This word will not go void. These two words will not go void. All in will be in their spirit ringing from now on until eternity. And I agree upon that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's all stand. Even the ones up here front. Let's stand. Glory to God. Say, I'm all in. You know, that's how you start it. You start speaking it. You start speaking it. You believe it. You speak it. And you live it. I'm all in. You wear it. I'm all in. Brother, all in. Hey, all in, sister. Glory to God. All in for who? Him. The kingdom. We got to become kingdom minded. Not worry about what's going on down here. We pray. We take authority down here. We have authority. But man, come on church. The church is awakening and we're having our locker room moment right now. And we're praying that spirit back. And evidently, God wanted that spirit back here. In Jesus' name. Guys, tonight, what time, Pastor? Six o'clock in Carthage. We will go part two. If you want more, come on. Come on. Let's go.
Stay fresh. Go all in. And then tomorrow night here at 7, we're just going to pick it up. And, 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 and it'll help you. It'll help you. Praise God. Pastor, come on up.